Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast. I know, you guys might be surprised. It's not Dean's, you know, strong, luxurious voice that is giving us the intro today. But this is because Dean's been prepping for this episode. This is the episode of his lifetime. He's currently in the corner shadow boxing right now. That's why I'm giving our intro. So, welcome to the Horror Club. Dean, what movie are we watching today? This week we're watching one of the greatest films of all time. The Master of the Master is at play here with Sam Raimi's Evil Dead starring Bruce Campbell 1981. This movie is perfection. I love this film. I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing because I know you're like you just won the lottery. Oh god, I I adore this movie. Yes, I know. So much. Oh, okay. You've been trying to get me to watch this movie since before we started dating. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the movies that is like the the litmus test of of are you cool? Like I show people this movie, I'll I'll do the riff track, I'll do like the fucking side commentary, or I'll sit there quietly. Like I I bust this movie out at parties. I love this flick. I mean, the only reason you know I I made the cool test with Dean is because I sat and watched the room for him. She did. She did. That's that's when I knew you were the one. That's when I knew. I love you too, Lisa. Ah, so nice. You're tearing me apart. Lisa. You're tearing me apart. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah. Evil Dead. Yes, Evil Dead. When was the first time that you saw this? Uh, I was nine years old. My parents... So, I was a huge horror movie geek growing up. Uh, around the time I was like yeah, eight or nine, I was getting into like horror flicks, like slasher flicks. Yeah. Uh, my mom really liked the Freddy Krueger franchise, so I had all the Nightmare... Oh yeah, like, your mom loves movies. horror movies. My mom is a huge horror movie fan. My dad... Not really. Basically, me and my mom are really into horror flicks. Yeah. My mom had all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I got, like, the Friday the 13th films when we went on a road trip once. My my mom was just like, here's this on a portable DVD player that I got at a thrift store for, like, six bucks. Yeah. Watch these. Don't say anything. We're in the car for, like, six hours. Yeah. And that was great. And I think it was Christmas. My, my dad was like, oh, okay, Dean, you're really into horror flicks, so I got you these. And it was... Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, and Army, and of, Darkness. Army of Darkness. He got me those, uh, the old Anchor Bay ones. They were like the one of the first or second wave DVDs they ever made of them. So they mm. were kind of poor quality. My dad loved the second one. So like I got the movies. My dad took the second one after I watched it once. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen it since. It's sitting somewhere in his room. It is gone forever. Uh, but I watched the first Evil Dead movie like on fucking repeat me and my brother to this day love army of darkness we that is one of oh, like yeah. the bro movies i mean that that, sh- that shit comes on the day is done like me and him are watching that of the the trilogy that one's my favorite yeah not surprising they they're all, the series is great because the first one it leans way more into the like the exploitation of the horror stuff yeah the last one army of darkness leans way more into like the action and comedy yeah and kind of the goofy aspects of the series and then Evil Dead 2 sits right in the middle. It's still scary. There's still some horror stuff, but there's a lot more black humor. There's a lot more comedy. There's yeah. more action. And it's it's wonderful. The series like has evolved, and it's like, awesome. Even the remake. I even like the 2013 remake of this film. Uh, it is... I mean, honestly, it's my, it might actually be one of the best remakes because it does what we said in the Mummy flick, where take the broad strokes, but change yeah. everything about it. And it was also the smartest decision of their life not to recast... 
Ash Williams. Yeah. Bruce Campbell, that is his role. Yes, it is. There shall never be another Ash. If no. there is, I will boycott the film. Bruce Campbell is Ash until the end of time. Yes. And I think he just recently retired from playing him after they canceled Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I also watched, and it's great. Well, isn't there a new one coming out on HBO Max? Uh, I think there is. I'm not too sure. That one I haven't, like, looked too much into, because they keep saying there's going to be another Evil Dead thing that's going to revitalize the franchise, but I've always taken that with a grain of salt, because I've had that pill swallowed, like, six times before. No, I think it was, like, a a big thing that they announced a couple months ago, Mm -hmm. that HBO Max is picking it up, and I think... If they're going to go the original route, I think he's going to come back for that. Wouldn't surprise me. Bruce Campbell loves playing this character. I think he also because he loves working with Sam Raimi because unironically they're like they're like super best friends. Well, yeah, they've known each other since what high school or college? Middle school, elementary. School. I think they grew up in like the, the same neighborhood. Like they were making like these little um, short films like short horror flicks since they were like in middle school uh on an old super eight old super eight actually the evil dead had its start as a super eight exploitation yeah f- like it was like 30 minutes long and i think it was called um into the woods or in the woods mm-hmm. and that's what they used to sell to investors like this is kind of what we're thinking of doing to make you know evil dead or whatever but yeah, sorry about that huge tangent, but I fucking love this movie. This Dean, movie's a Dean is smiling so hard right now. I love this movie. Like, it's just it's just great. It's just the tops. It's so much fun. Okay, so my next question, because I think, you know, everyone wants to know this question. Shoot. How many copies of the DVD do you own? Okay, so I own I I still own my original Anchor Bay, like, first run of that mm-hmm. of the film. I own the Steel Book. Uh, the, I think that one was like a 2014, like re-release. It was a really fancy copy. I really like that one. Uh, I own the VHS because somebody bought it for me. You're welcome. Thank you. And then I went out and bought the VHSs for Evil Dead 2 and, and Army of Darkness. Oh yeah. We just got that at, um, Awaken the Spirits, Midsummer Scream. Which is really cool. That was a really good, good con. Um, but actually I think that's it. I only own two. No, I own a Blu-ray copy. I own a a 30th or 40th anniversary Blu-ray copy. And you also own, uh, one of those three packs where they have all three movies on the same disc. That is currently at my house. Oh, yeah, you stole that from me. That's right. No, you threw it at me. You said, please, for the love of God, watch this. Yes, watch this so I can finally, you know, pop the question. And I happened. and I didn't watch it because I wanted to watch it on the big screen for the first time. Yeah. And, oh, my God, that was quite a movie to watch for the first time on the big screen. Yeah, because we watched it at the Egyptian, if I'm not mistaken. We did, in Hollywood at uh, Grauman's Egyptian Theater. Mm-hmm. And that was a present for your birthday, I think, before the world ended. Yeah, it was, like, right before, because my... Yeah, it was literally the last September before the pandemic. Yeah, so we went in October to the Egyptian, and you were so excited. I mean, let alone for the screening at the Egyptian, they redid the score. Yeah, they they did a whole new score. They had a live orchestra to play for, yeah. and, like, a live orchestra, not like the... Oh, it's a recording and then a recording yeah. of a live orchestra yeah. that they played one through. No, it, it was there. There was the quartet. They had the composer there, who was mm-hmm. the original composer for the film. Yeah. Who did a whole new score for it. And then he, he played it He played it all the way through like a concert. And then he did it to the film. And it was it was so cool. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was that was something. Seeing it on the screen for the first time. Because this movie... was a lot of fun. Uh, this movie was done when they were in college, I think. Uh, Sam Raimi got out of college, but he realized that if he wanted to make horror films, or if he wanted to make films in general, he had to figure out a way to turn a profit. The easiest way to do that was to sell it to colleges and do, like, college screenings, because 
back then a college campus you can basically show whatever and people would pay for it and you get a cut of the ticket sales yeah and the easiest thing to sell period is horror films to this day you the easiest thing if you want to make movies is to make horror films because they're so easy to sell the market is huge and they're super wide you can make basically whatever as long as it's a horror flick in terms of genre you can sell it yeah so that's why sam raimi wanted to make evil dead and it was actually going to be called book of the dead but their producer was like no one's going to want to read a movie Call yeah it evil dead and then yay it was good um but yeah he made it right after he got out of college and it took him like three years to fucking make it because they had oh, to yeah. drive out to this abandoned literal abandoned cabin in the middle of the tennessee mountains and they did the principal photography and they had to keep going back to do reshoots you know some of the actors had to like leave because hey i thought this was only going to be like a three-week production and i'm like four months into this shit and bruce campbell that's why bruce campbell de facto became the lead character because he was you know sam raimi's best friend and was like yeah i'll stay with you until the end because i ain't getting any other work dog you're, you're you know. He also gave him money to keep the film going, so which led to being um, Bruce Campbell, you know, bumping up from an actor to co-producer of the movie. He, yeah, yeah, and it's also kind of why Bruce Campbell became the one of the gatekeepers of the of the franchise. Yeah. Also, because he's he's the lead character. He's Ashley Williams. He anytime they do more Evil Dead stuff, he has to be involved. Yeah. So it's a good way to do it. It's the it's the John McClane effect. You can't you can't make a Die Hard movie without Bruce Willis. It just doesn't work. No. But you know, uh, huge fan of this movie. Huge yeah. Fan. Yes, I know. Uh, like you want to jump to the characters? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Because we got Scotty, Linda, um, uh, we got Sally, we got Bruce playing Ash, who's <sighs> glorious. <laughs> Because because Ash at the beginning of the movie is is such a nerd, he is he is the he is the guy that is the should be the first to die in every horror movie, and then you have Scott who is the prototypical jock. I'm gonna live through this because I'm the hero, and this yeah. is like the '80s, man. This is how this works, and he and he's like one of the first people to actually like die die. Yeah, I mean his his first is his um sister. His sister, yeah and but she's like a dead eye and she's doing the thing underneath this underneath the uh the trap door in the basement which is awesome i mean she, her character's great it's she's so entertaining throughout the movie and you know why that there's all that makeup on her is so they could have sam raimi's brother ted raimi put on the makeup when they had to get really rough and <laughs> so also, he could take some hits so he could take some hits or they had to put like you know smoke up into it so that's why there's so much a and makeup stuff on it and the latex mask is so that they could basically beat the shit out of it and not have to beat up the actress and since this was a low budget movie it was only one guy that was doing all the effects and the the masks the and the hands and yeah this movie was so low budget when they had to use the shotgun to like blow out windows and shoot mm -hmm. stuff they couldn't afford blanks no nope. that was a real shotgun they would set up the camera Set up whatever Ash was shooting, and then tell everybody, "All right, everybody, back away thirty feet to the right, and we're gonna yell at you, uh, Bruce, to just go for it." Yeah. And Bruce was like, "All right, cool. I'm from Michigan, and I kind of know how to use this." And he just—they would shoot a live shotgun on a film set. You can't do that anymore. You would be sued into the ground. But this movie is great. This movie is uh, the epitome of just raw filmmaking, like never say die attitude, like personified. Also, uh, another thing, Ted Raimi is credited as fake Shemp. 
in this movie because every time you see a close-up of somebody's hands when they had to open something or move something yeah that's, that's ted Raimi's hands oh, usually okay. the actor was gone yeah so that's why he's credited as fake shemp and he is um the fake shemp in every evil dead movie okay because <laughs> he's like the stand-in for like oh we need a close-up of somebody opening a door and we need their hand uh ted get over here. he's like all right gotcha cool yeah, it, it's just a funny thing because you know we have Sam Raimi, uh, Bruce Ta- or Sam Bru- Raimi, Bruce Campbell, uh, uh, Tappard, and Ted Raimi, and they're like the four of crew that just made movies for yeah. fun in high school, and then they struck it big. So, and more you know, I love this movie. I'm yeah, and every one of my paragraph long rambles with I love this movie. Every sentence is going to be ended with you love this movie. I love this movie. And then we have the love story between Ash and his girlfriend, Linda. Yeah. Linda. And who changes in every movie? She does, and she takes a nasty pencil to the ankle. Okay, did you cringe for that one? I cringed throughout the entire movie. It's so good, it's so good. I mean, seeing this the first time, I was like, oh, okay, you know, Evil Dead. I'm like, it's got to do with like demons and stuff. I'm like, I should be good. We had a big meal with my cousins before we went to go see this. Biggest mistake of your life. Oh my god, my stomach was so squeamish throughout the entire movie i was just you know powering down that sprite that was just like oh my god oh they're doing this oh they're doing that like oh man and it goes to the fact that the it's so good because the effects by and large if you watch them by themselves and they look passable kind of for an 80s exploitation flick yeah and today's standards they're like pretty bad but you watch it you get involved in the characters in the story and like all the creepy stuff and when he stabs you know the achilles tendon into into linda's leg and she goes ah and you oh and the twist and the blood oozes out and it's mm-hmm. just so oh it feels so bad and then you they see have, the veins it's just like oh, it's mm-hmm. so nasty also it's fun fact about that one when um Ash is looking at her leg and he's like tending to the wound. Yeah. And you see like the black spiderweb thing just swarm yeah. all, all out of it. And that corrupts Linda. Um, to do that, it had to be done stop by stop motion. That's yeah, how low that, the effect was. Yeah. So they had the guy come in and paint each line by hand. And the actress just had to chill for like five hours yeah. while they did all that. And I'm like, they don't make movies like that. The unions would kill you if you made that person do that. It's great. That and stop motion is so hard. I mean... It's incredibly hard. And there's so much in this movie. The entire, like, climax of the movie is basically stop motion. Yeah. Is insane. And the other thing is um, Joel and Ethan Coen, the Coen brothers, mm-hmm. Oscar-winning directors you might you might have heard of. Yes. Uh, they helped edit this movie. They were friends with um, Sam Raimi. Really? Yeah. He went to go get this movie cut and he needed, like, editors... And he found the the Coen brothers who were like kind of getting started, and he was like, "Hey, can you cut this movie together for me? I'll pay you like fifty bucks and a ham sandwich." And he's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." And they helped him do it. And then when they decided to make their own movie, Blood Symbol, their first movie, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi helped them like do it. That's why if you ever watch Blood Simple, there's a lot of weird visual homages to Evil Dead that are just kind of weird. And you're like, "Why are they in there?" And it's because Sam Raimi oh. helped them figure out how to make the movie because they like he knows how to make a movie made evil dead and that made him yeah that, that, that was a huge success so they used him as like they're like hey sam like we're trying to figure this out how do we do this and he would relay information to him so this movie is great it's awesome Steve, even stephen king loves this movie yeah and that's really what gave this movie the boost yeah stephen king was like it's the most uh i think he said it's the most 
original and visceral horror movie I've ever seen. And after that, it just took off. Yeah, this is back at the height of fucking Stephen King powers. This is 81. We had uh, Carrie, um, Salem's Lot, The Shining. Cujo. Thing. I don't think Cujo came out yet. I think 81, um, we ju- we were just up to the dead zone, but we already had oh, The okay. Stand, which at, even at that point, people were like, this is one of the greatest novels of the fucking 70s. It's Ooh. so good. I know, I know way too much about this movie, and I love this movie. This movie's great. I love this movie. I know you do. I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, I understand why movie critics at the time wouldn't really give them a lot of advertising, and they were really kind of like, you know what, we're going to make this a midnight movie. It's They were like, it's an exploitation horror flick that, by and large, isn't that well made to... Isn't that well made in a conventional Hollywood sense? Yeah. In terms of independent cinema, this thing's a fucking masterpiece. And the fact that there were just, you know, droves of people that were out there for these midnight screenings to see the film. My my dad was one of them, cause, and that's why he knows he really likes this fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. My, I think my dad had seen all of them in the theaters, like, when they came out. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, those, again, one of those weird horror movies that, for some reason, he really dug, but my dad doesn't really like horror movies, so mm-hmm. that, that's why I got these for Christmas. And, I mean, let alone when we went to go see it, it was a sold-out show. Yeah. Every scene in the Egyptian was sold out. Yeah, so it's this thing where, yes, it was done not by Hollywood standards, but... It fucking it, worked. It worked. It's loved by so many people. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't see like a you know a dwindling down of the fandom of the Evil Dead because it's just it's so popular in the horror community. It's it's also a thing where this movie just ages like a fine fucking wine. All right, now hear me out here. So on the surface, is this like really cheesy exploitation flick? There's a lot of bad acting the effects are like goofy at best and it's just a very strange little movie but then you watch it and you're just like it's like we're watching this funhouse horror experience like it's like you're going through one of those like spook mazes yeah because i mean especially with linda where all she does is laugh when she's in her demonic form yeah it's so creepy and with the makeup you know she kind of looks like a clown so you get like this laughing kind of clown in the corner where she's getting hit with a you know a two by four and she just you know comes up and keeps laughing she she keeps bouncing around like like one of those like inflatable punch dolls yeah and it's just it's you know it's annoying because you're just getting the laughing Mm -hmm. while you know ash is trying to deal with you know oh my sister's trying to kill me and there's a lot of just random slapstick in this. You know, when, when um, Ash is in the basement and he's, like, looking around and the blood pours down on his yeah. face. And you're and just playing, like, the, the circus music mm-hmm. going on. And I heard this described this way, and it's actually a really accurate, accurate assumption. It is the splatter genre by way of the Three Stooges. Yeah. And that's a lot of what's going on because Sam Raimi, he's the kind of director who... Oh yeah, I was influenced by like Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, the and also the eyes. three Sto- and the Hills Have Eyes, and also the Three Stooges, and you know, yeah. Florham Hardy, and all this other stuff. He's he's just a really talented director, and this as a first like feature, I'm so impressed because of the camera work is so like like aggressive and like raw and visually interesting. That how it moves is very like it's aggressive, but it's to a point. And yeah, the acting's kind of hokey, but like. Sam Raimi knows how to cast people because the characters, even though the acting is 
stilted or subpar at best because they're not like all unknown actors and they were all under the assumption this movie would never see the light of day i think half the actors in this didn't even use their real names yeah terry uh i can't think of her name sally yeah her the actress i think she had just gotten her sag card and didn't want to ruin it by being in this didn't want to ruin it so she gave you know a, a different name and then she still got in trouble because Everyone saw this movie when it came out. Yeah, it was non-union. That was another thing. Yeah. But even with all that, Sam Raimi has a perfect eye for casting because all the actors just look and work perfectly in the roles they're given. Even though they're giving 110% for X, Y reasons, how how they're still working, it's almost like naturally they just fit into the role. Yeah. It's kind of the thing where it's like, yeah, he, he even if he's not doing 110%, he doesn't really have to. It just works. Like, Bruce Campbell, he's he's working. He's doing his job. But this is a young Bruce Campbell. This is yeah. before he, he mastered the the wisecracking King of the Bee movies, mm-hmm. like, persona he became. This is him, like, I have, like, a couple semesters of, of theater work behind me. And I... I've only been on camera in your, in your mm-hmm. bad 8mm films, Sam. So... Give me some breathing room here. And it's still good. It's it, so good. It works because, you know, we have the jock character. Uh, Scotty. Scotty, who, you know, keeps yelling at um, at Bruce Campbell's character. Ash. Ash. I'm sorry. Love I, this movie. I, I, no, I know you do. It's just, you know, I think of Bruce Campbell and it's like, it's Ash. You know, it's, yeah, it is it's a thing because this movie also falls into... Um, uh, the kind of the Indiana Jones effect where yeah. you don't see Harris, you don't see Indy, you'd see Harrison Ford. Yeah. Now it's like you don't see Ash, you see Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Because he's kind of played that role in a lot of his movies now, but it's not here nor there. But you have Scotty yelling at him, you know, do something. You have to dismember them, which is different in a kind of zombie movie where it's just. You know, destroy you, the brain. Destroy the brain. You know, in this one, you got to destroy just about everything in the body. Yeah, which kind of makes this a weird... Because I know this is Undead September. Yes. And this might be a controversial pick because they're like, oh, they're not undead. They're they're possessed, you know, de- they're demons possessing people, right? And it's like, eh, kind of, sort of, but I'll be honest with you. I think I think Linda is super dead. Yeah, no, they're dead. They're, they're, there's no doubt about that they're dead, <laughs> but I think it works for bruce campbell's character as ash because he's in shock he just lost his sister now suddenly he loses his girlfriend it's like and he's freaking out he's freaking out that's why he's you know back against the wall can't really move it's just he's trying to process what's going on and that is one of the most like that is one of my favorite portrayals of like legitimate shock in a horror movie because in a lot of horror movies they kind sometimes they do the flight or flight where Mm -hmm. it's just like Oh, something's happening. So I, they, the, you know, big titted bimbo runs up the stairs instead of out the mm-hmm. front door. Or, oh, the jock comes up and tries to, you know, punch out Jason Voorhees. But in this, it's like, no, 90% of the people would just freeze the fuck up if they saw their, you know, loved one turn into a zombie and start floating at them. They would just freeze. Mm. You know, superhuman strength, just trying to destroy you. Mm. And I think it works with him because... He, you know, just gives off that I have absolutely no idea what to I do. I am so out of my I, depth. I was comedic relief 20 minutes ago. What happened? It's, you know, also my moral compass of 
this is my family. Mm-hmm. Do I kill my family or do I try to save them? Save them. Saving them. And, it, and there is so it. good. And so I mean, good. let alone the recording that they find for the people that live, <laughs> the people that lived the, in the cabin. The, uh, the notes of Dr. Nobi. Where it's he's creepy. Reciting the, the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. And it, it is creepy. That's a thing. A lot of the horror from this is like creep factor. Yeah. You know, oh, they're walking slowly in the room and it's like POV and it's like opening doors and it's just really creepy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is visceral like, oh, oh, that is just like shockingly hor- horrific. Yeah. Uh, the tree scene. Yeah, that was shocking. Grotesque. Exactly. Well, I ain't gonna go into uh, too much detail, but if you know what, if you want to figure it out, just look up "Evil Dead Tree Scene." That's all you need. It'll be the first video. If guaranteed. you know, you know. Um, and the actress, let alone her, not knowing how far they actually went, and she didn't know until she was at the premiere with her mom, and she was just like, "That was a big yikes." And I was like, "Wow, you really put that in the film? Okay, Ooh, big yikes." I'm really glad this made a lot of money, but. But, That's you know, yikes. seeing, like, recent documentaries, she's like, you know, I've, she's like, I've kind of grown a thicker skin, and I can now laugh at it. And even, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and even Sam Raimi was kind of like, yeah, I think I went a little too far with the tree scene. It's like, you think? It, it's one of those things where... That's, got, that's how you just go for it, right? Because yeah. I think that's the big pinnacle of this, is um, this movie is go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys wanted to, like, make a scene and bust out into the industry and they wanted to make a name for themselves and this is what they came out with and it is great it was also genius on their part when they had the premiere with the investors Mm -hmm. how they invited local high school students to fill up the auditorium the the people who would actually go and see this movie yeah and the fact that the high school kids were so animated when they were watching it and yelling you know ash what are you doing ash don't go in there oh my god don't trust linda and it's just like you know it kind of sold to the investors like, oh, oh, we're going to make some money on this one. You're going to make money, but you're also actually getting a real reaction from your audience. Yeah. And I think that that's a thing. Like, this is a, a huge exploitation, grindhouse, classic of a film. This movie, by in any other universe, would have been made, premiered somewhere, and forgotten in six weeks. And it would be a relic of the VHS era, at best. But we don't live in that in that apocalyptic nightmare. We live in a good reality where this movie is huge and it spawned a franchise that I hope lives on forever. I love this movie and I love this series. And it also made a cameo in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, it did. It did. Made it a cameo in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Cause I, what is it? Nancy's watching it on she's, the TV when she, she falls asleep. Yeah, she's watching it on her little TV. And in exchange, Sam Raimi um, was able to get Freddy's glove and it's in the, the barn and uh evil dead too yeah. when when ash is you know doing the whole putting putting the new new uh, chainsaw hand mm-hmm. on yeah well that's the thing because so in evil dead we see in the basement that there's a poster of the hills of eyes and it's like torn in half yeah. right and funny enough they got that idea by watching the hills have eyes because in the hills have eyes there's a poster of jaws and it's torn in half mm-hmm. and this goes into the weird uh mental mind logic is Sam Raimi thought, oh, that's like a visual cue that's like, hey, Jaws, that's the old horror. This is the new mm-hmm. horror in The Hills Have Eyes. So he was like, okay, Hills Have Eyes, that was the old horror. This is the new mm-hmm. horror. And he put that in there. And then Wes Craven, or I think Wes Craven either like talking about that or Sam Raimi talking about that. Because when, when they finally 
met in the same circle. Yeah. Uh, and I think Wes Craven was like, oh no, my said that. I just thought it looked cool. And Sam Raimi's like, what? <laughs> I thought I thought it had this deeper meaning. He's like, nah, dude, I just I just thought it looked cool. And he's like, huh. Well, he's know. like, well, now it has a deeper meaning. Now it, it has a deeper It has meaning. a new lore. Yeah, it's probably one of those things where he said that, and then Wes Craven was like, I mean, I didn't. No, I totally meant that. That was so on purpose. Yeah, totally, dog. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just that deep. Oh, I'm just I'm that deep, bro. But yeah, it's and, and so funny. you know my poor heart. I'm like, someone tore up a Jaws poster. <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Yes, they did. And it it is funny because it's I think the basement that they're actually shooting in is like in Michigan or is like Robert Tapper's garage. Yeah, because the actual... they had to keep moving the houses after so long. Yeah, because there was no. Was it there's no running water or there was no, there was no heat so it was like cold water. No, there. So at the cabin. Yeah, at the it cabin. It was an abandoned cabin. No water, no heat, no bathrooms, no nothing. If you had to take a dump, you went out in the woods. Yeah. It was that level of abandoned because yeah. it was free. This is again. This movie can't be made now. No. They, no one would show up to this film shoot. It's like, hey, we're gonna take you out to the middle of the Tennessee mountains. It's like, I don't know, ten miles from the nearest like anything. Um, it's also over a bridge, and there's no lights, heat, running water, or uh, any chance of survival if he, we get stuck. I mean, I could totally see you, uh, Alex, and Brandon doing something like this. I mean, we maybe, but it, like we'd have to drive out to Tennessee. But, well, you know. Again, that doesn't seem like uh, too far of a stretch for you guys. Yeah, give it time, then. But yeah, so, the movie's fantastic. I love this movie. It's so good. Um, I, I know I talk about a lot of production and, like, stuff going on, but that, that's, like, such an interesting facet of this movie, because that, I know a lot about the production, because I watched it so many times. Yeah. But, yeah. And the fact that the, the cabin was mysteriously burned down. Sam Raimi continues to take credit for burning it down. But yeah. But, let, let's be honest, Sam, the thing was falling apart when you left. I wouldn't be surprised if some homeless guy went, walked out there and just lit it on fire. I mean, let alone when they were there filming, hunters would go, you know, past the cabin with all their dogs. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, oh, you guys are here? All right, well, we're going to go back to the hunt. See ya. <laughs> yeah, so this... <sighs> I want to know how they sold it to, like, some of the actors. To, like, hey, do you want to come out with us to... The this, mi- this, this cabin. This cabin. It'll be so cool. Yeah, you don't You don't need to tell anybody you're going. It's fine. Don't tell. Don't tell anybody. It must have you, sounded like a serial killer, right? You don't need to know that there's no bathrooms or heat or water. Yeah. But but that's why they had to keep moving houses. Yeah. And, you know, and also it didn't have a basement. Um, literally that trap door led into a six foot hole they dug into the yeah. ground and it was just some stairs. So it, more you know. So, yeah, because they had to use like, what, three, four houses? Yeah. So when you... So they had the cabin. They had... I think it was Sam Raimi's house or Robert Tappert's house where it was the lead down from the basement. Yeah, it was um, Sam Raimi's basement. They used... Uh, Robert Tappert's garage to do the actual, like, um, basement set, I think. They had Bruce Campbell's family's cabin. Uh, I think so. I don't know if they actually had his had the cabin from his family. I don't know what shots they would have used because I know everything interior was shot at the abandoned cabin out in Tennessee. Yeah, I was watching one of the documentaries today, and they said that they used his family's cabin, I guess, in Michigan somewhere. So that's like I can't imagine for what sequence though, because I feel most of the most of the film is is pretty consistent visually in terms of. The location, 
things, more or less. Yeah, I mean, it could just be they, a it's room. Like we, it, we shot in here because we needed a bed. Yeah, or, you know, we need to elaborate more on this scene, so let's let's do that. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, granted, this movie also took, like, three years for them to make. It took them so long. Yeah, it's gonna be, like, another two weeks. Uh, maybe another week. Uh, uh, maybe, come, maybe. come back, like, next month. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, we need to do some color color correction here. It'll be real quick, though. It, But it's, it's really good. It's really good. <sighs> I love this movie. What else do you want to talk about from this film? Uh, where do you want to Where do you want to start? Uh, big okay, so we talked a lot about like the production. I think we we talked a bit about the actors. Yeah. Uh, story wise, how much did we get on that one? Because the story in this is like is really fun. It's really great. It's awesome. It's fun, but it's also a simple story. It's in- just incredibly simple. You know, they go away for the weekend, and this happens. I I think what in like the course of. 24 hours more or less yeah yeah about 24 hours they i don't even these... think 24 hours because they get their you know golden hour and then we end at sunrise yeah it's just like through the night Blah. yeah it's like 12 hours of just sheer to- uh sheer horror yeah and it's a really like good good way to do it because it does there's no slow moments it just goes yeah and it's one of those things you know we have the we have the group of teenagers going or college students. They're going out to the cabin to unwind for whatever reason they get there. They discover this ancient Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the book of the dead. Mm-hmm. Now this cabin was used by a researcher and it was been abandoned for so long that you know, no one's able to find it. And then boom, they raise the dead, this demonic force presence that chases them, kills them off one by one until there's only one left to survive to dawn. And that's the story. It's, yeah. it's it. It's not that, hard to to really relay but it's the story the movie is so much fun it's like 85 minutes of just glory and it's just interesting you know whenever they listen to the recordings from the doctor mm-hmm. how it's just oh we found this book and it's got weird markings to you know my wife starting to show symptoms of something and you know well, my wife has turned, and now I've had to dismember her to, you know, completely get her to stop attacking me. Yes, I have buried her in the basement. And it, it's great because that plays into, like, this found footage thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's been that probably had an inspiration on certain video games where you find, like, audio logs yeah. of, like, previous inhabitants of whatever colony, level, whatever you're playing. And it's, it's really fun because that implication of the Nobis thing is kind of like we talked about in The Mummy last week mm-hmm. with um, the Magi. was like, oh, the implication of what these guys have to have done and, and performed and do to like protect Hominoptera, the implication of like, what did Dr. Doctor Dr. Nobi do? Yeah. Where is he? Is he dead? Like, what got him? He, he killed his wife. Is there something else out there? Is he possessed? Is he going to mm-hmm. show up? Did he make it back into town? But is he a crazy person now? Because we didn't see a car. And this place has been abandoned. How long ago was this? Yeah. It's the implication of just the recording is a whole other movie. Yeah. And it's awesome. I love this movie. I know you do. It's great. I mean, you just recently bought, uh, bought the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead? Oh, oh, are you talking about my copy of the Necronomicon? The, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I That wasn't recent. That was years ago. No, no. The one that we got from Frankincense. The little, like, pocket-sized one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Necronomicon, the H.P. Lovecraft, like, mm-hmm. Necronomicon. Yeah, I got that at Frank and Sons. 
this was like six bucks. Yeah. But it doesn't look like anything from like this oh, movie. Oh, no, no. It, it's literally like, oh, it's the Necronomicon. It's written by H.P. Lovecraft and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like um, a a kind of like occult joke kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. Necronomicon's not a real book. No. In fact, Sam Raimi, he got the idea of the Necronomicon from H.P. Lovecraft. Like, lore. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a cool name. We'll make it like that. Bound in human flesh. Written in human blood. And the, you know, that... The Necronomicon doesn't exist. So, so, but somebody in the seventies made a uh, made a Necronomicon as an in joke for all the horror nerds and occult nerds. Yeah, and that's what I got. But uh, a couple years ago, I was at a convention. I think it was WonderCon, and somebody was selling um, a book, and it was the Necronomicon from Evil Dead. It, yeah, you know, it was all, all done up. It looked like it was like made of leather, and it had like all the face in it and stuff like that. I picked it up. It's like paper mache. Like the outside is paper mache. And I think it was like twenty bucks, and I bought it. And the inside is like uh, Grimm's fairy tales. So I have a Necronomicon, <laughs> on which if you open it up is the Grimm's fairy tale. So it's a fairy tale book. Yeah. But it looks like the book from Evil Dead, which is awesome. Yeah. I love this movie. I'm gonna end again every phrase. I'm ending with I love this movie. I know. So yeah. But yeah, um, the story in this is great. I love it because it's so simple. We have. A good protagonist, the antagonist, the mysterious, like, demonic presence. This is a good example of of a villain that you don't really need to have a goal. Its goal is that it's evil. Yeah. But it's a sadistic kind of evil because it's taking pleasure in what it's doing to these people. And it's possessing them. It's making them do these horrible things. And the other implication is that it's not a, it's not a, a person. It's just a thing. It's a force that is doing this it's an entity it's an entity and it's just it's so mysterious and it's wonderful and i, well, love I mean it. it's great. let alone when um ash is trying to muster up the courage to shoot linda mm-hmm. and the the demon is able to switch back to human form of her and where she's crying and, and she's like you know please save me you know help me to not turn back into that and then, bastards. and then she flips the switch again and she's laughing and she's the person so it's yeah it's <laughs> And it's great because at that point we realize, oh, the demons aren't even trying to like kill him. They're just fucking with him. Yeah. They're just playing with him. And it's like that, that's so like, like horrifying. It's mm-hmm. this thing that's so much more powerful than them and it's just playing with them. And it's, you know, because, you know, demonology has been around for forever. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the fact that even though we know a bit more, we still don't know. It's like, <sighs> how what it's like i I don't get it's a whole fantasy thing at that point but it is it is so just like off-putting and creepy yeah and it's it even goes into like the sam raimi well it being called the necronomicon is probably like on purpose and this thing is supposed to be an unknowable like entity that is so above mankind we can't even fathom it like in the cthulhu mythos yeah and it's 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 just really interesting and it's done as just this splatter exploitation flick and it's awesome i think you know, my favorite thing in this movie, I mean, apart from Ash, love, yeah. after this, I walked out of there loving Bruce Campbell. I was just like, oh, at, my God, he's at, amazing. As all should, yes. Um, my favorite, absolute favorite thing is what I call, like, the de- the demon cam. Yeah, yeah, where um, they're running through the woods, and it's, like, this really low POV, and it's going over stuff and through things, and it's implied to be the 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 kalindathu demon that's you know chasing yeah these these people around and it's the actual entity and it's so good because of how they did it 
because it looks so like crazy like oh they had to get like a steady cam up right and they had to like have him like sprint through the woods and go over all these things man they must have had a really like athletic cameraman or in a really steady handheld and it's like no they they stuck it on a on a two by four they screwed the camera down and they had two guys on either end just run, run. <laughs> and it's and it's awesome and at the end where um it's right over the water it's oh yeah it's right <laughs> over the water that one they actually i think it was they were on a boat or they were on two rowboats and that was like they were being drifted through the water and holding the camera like way out in front of them. And they just sped it up in post. Yeah, no, I think it was like live. I think they might have sped it up in post. I can't really remember. It might have also been like they were just in waders and just walking through the water. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me either way. But um, I was talking about the ending of the movie where we see the the force just come down the mountain, come down the yeah. hill, crash through the through the cabin doors, and it's smashing the doors open. It comes out the front door, and it like runs straight into ashes like screaming face and then that yeah. cuts the movie that's the end of the movie um in production what they did sam raimi mounted it onto a motorcycle oh and yeah they they told bruce campbell this is going to be the last thing we shoot because this might actually hurt you and we won't be able to finish the movie so this is the last thing we shot so they got on mounted it and sam raimi literally just is driving this motorcycle for like 40 60 miles an hour yeah down this hill there, when he gets to the doors, they have a signal where somebody is yanking the breakaway doors away so Sam Raimi doesn't just, you know, crash into it. Yeah. So the doors are flying off. They're flying off. And then it gets to, to Bruce Campbell, and Sam Raimi goes up, and he slams the brake and still rams into Bruce Campbell doing, like, 30. I think I think that's why he has the scar on his jaw now, because I think it broke his jaw. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's either this broke his jaw or when they were doing... Um, Evil Dead 2, the opening sequence in there where he's flying through the yeah. woods and he's being spun around and he's screaming, ah. I think that might have been where he broke his jaw. Because in one of these, he broke his jaw and that's why he has the scar now. I mean, let alone he takes a beating in this movie too. Yeah, it's also funny because uh, I listened to an, an interview with Bruce Campbell and he explained that was that's half the reason Sam hired me is because I was really good at beating myself up on a mm-hmm. camera. Because he said that in his younger years, yeah, I was able to, like, grab the back of my shirt, pull myself forward, and do just, like, a standing, like, backdrop. And that's, like, why he cast... That's yeah. why he really wanted him, because he knew he could beat the shit out of Bruce Campbell, and he would keep on going. I mean, he gets an ass kicking, he gets drenched in blood. Yeah. Uh, the, the milk thing I never understood. I mean, let alone... I've only seen the movie, like, twice. Yeah. So it's like, I, I didn't understand why, you know, the, the demons, like, projectile milk... It's supposed to be this, that's that's the thing, it's supposed to be this, like, oh, it's this, oh, it's blood, it's like pus, blah, 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 oh, but okay. it's, again, it's a low-budget production, they just use milk. But, um, the fun thing about the blood is, because, you know, low-budget production, they just made blood, and there's just corn syrup and food color and all that yeah. shit, and Bruce Campbell said, the, what, because, again, they're in the middle of the woods, there's no running Mm-mm. water, there's no bathrooms and all that stuff, they had, like, a, they had, like, a barrel that they filled with water so you can get stuff, but that yeah. was it. So when Bruce Campbell's drenched in blood and it's like a three hour drive back to town, the stuff would dry on him. He had to jump into the shower fully clothed because the blood fused to his skin and he had to like rinse it, rinse the clothes off. And then we took him off. They would stand up. Yeah. Like fine. Didn't he also like break a shirt? He snapped a shirt in half. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally like I think he got home and like he like decided like you know like sit down and he fell asleep so he woke up like a couple hours later and the blood completely dried and he got up and he like rolled his shoulder and the you hear hear the crack and the sleeve 
snapped off. Yeah. And I'm like, Bruce Campbell, you've, you've been through so much. That, and he also had to ride in the back of the truck because he was just covered in the blood. Yeah, you couldn't let him... Yeah, he couldn't sit on um, the car seat because if he dried, he would stick to the car seat. Yeah. And they'd have to, like, soak him to get him out. That's that's a, an interesting thing, is that there's so... He went through so much to just, like, be in this, like, kind of okay, like, horror flick, and it's a masterpiece. I love this movie. You do, you do. Is there any, anywhere else you want to go with this, or are you ready to cap off for the night? I mean, I could keep going. I could talk about this movie forever, but I, I can tell you're ready to, to go, go to bed. I'm good. It's oh. just... I want to make sure that you get the most out of your Evil Dead episode. <sighs> I could keep going. Uh, I could talk about the video game, A Fistful of Boomstick, which I played on the PlayStation 2. It was pretty good. It was okay. You know, I could talk I could talk a lot about this movie. I love the movie. I love the series. I love the franchise. Would highly recommend. Two thumbs up. Uh, you could. It's going to be great when we get to September, and I could tell you it's placement on my top ten list. But it's going to be fun. But Miss Boo, I think I'm about ready. Okay, and I surprisingly really enjoyed the movie after watching it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was cringe the whole way the first time watching it. It was just cringe, not in the in the current form. Cringe no. is a physical cringe. Right? Yes, physical cringe. I mean, I was just moving around my seat. I was just like, oh, oh my god, We're oh, around. yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. Fun fact that happened to David the first time he watched Reanimator, which oh, uh, yeah. we did for our HP Lovecraft episode like last year. And uh, he said, he's like, oh, that movie, I squirmed the entire, like, 90 minutes. That movie was just, uh, awkward. I'm like, it's so good. They're both so good. Evil Dead is a masterpiece. But if you can get through the first Evil Dead, watch Evil Dead 2, watch Army of Darkness. Watch the series, watch everything. It's all good. Yeah, I haven't jumped into the series yet. I probably will soon. Uh, it's definitely Army of Darkness, Ash. Yeah. And it's it's fun. It has it has the right tone. It's um, executive produced by Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. They're it, it's in good hands, and, and unfortunately, it got canceled. But it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable yeah. for what I watched of it. So I'd give it a two thumbs up too. And I think we're ready to finish up our episode today. But I think we are. Should we spoil next week's episode? I think you should, because I think next week's episode is gonna be kind of fun. It is going to be, not kind of fun, it's going to be a lot of fun because it's an Edgar Wright movie. It is. And Edgar Wright was really inspired by Sam Raimi after watching Evil Dead. He was. And I don't think if there was Evil Dead, we would get Shaun of the Dead, which I we are mean, watching next week. Which I cannot wait for. I, I actually already watched this movie for the double feature, but that was one of the early episodes and yeah. we had a lot of technical difficulties with that one. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be nice for me to get another fresh take on this. I mean, I love Shaun of the Dead. We, we did our Hot Fuzz episode a couple of months ago. It's the one of the only films I've ever said um, I don't want to spoil the ending because if you haven't seen it, it, it makes the movie so much better. Yeah, and Shaun of the Dead is just my favorite of the Edgar Wright movies. The Cornetto trilogy, mm -hmm. but I'm so excited to talk about it. I'm excited to quote it. I'm sorry, Boo. What? Oh, God. <laughs> Love you, too. All right, Boo, but where can they find us? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just about everywhere where podcasts are streamed. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcasts. 
And I believe we're also at a different location if you want to listen to us. Yes, you can go to our YouTube channel in the frame, which you can find this podcast, the Film Club Podcast, as well as our other podcast, including the Double Feature Picture Show with me and David. We talk about two films, bring them together, talk about them, compare and contrast them, go deep into themes, and, you know, generally enjoy a good double feature. And also the Film Odyssey podcast that me and my brother do, where we go through the AFI Top 100, counting down, looking for the best film ever made. And with that, Boo, anything else? Stay tuned and stay spooky. Peace. Peace.